You guys, have you seen that direct TV commercial with the wires? You know what I'm talking about? The little kid gets caught in the fan and he's spinning around and around and around. That's how I feel on Sunday mornings when I'm like, oh, these wires everywhere. I want to pray for you. And then together we are going to get into the Word of God. Let's pray. Father, you are the greatest of all time. You never change, you never waver, you never fail, and you never back down. And God, it is sobering this morning to think that you would invite us into your story. That you, full of grace and kindness and mercy and forbearance, would take and lay our sin and the charge of our guilt against your precious Son. Lord, that is sobering this morning. So God, we pray as we wrap up Romans chapter 8, God, as we walk through this last piece of Scripture, that you would pour on us an incredible sense of awe, an incredible sense of love, an incredible sense of, of delight, Lord. Lord, we don't use that word a lot in, in, in today's time in our culture, but God, let us delight in you, God. Lord, let us enjoy you this morning. As we read your word, God, Lord, from word to word, let our heart begin to beat rapidly knowing that you are for us and not against us, God. Lord, let us, let us be blown away by the truth of your scripture. God, Lord, let us, God, Lord, let us love you like we can't on our own. Do what only you can do this morning, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Isn't it good to share songs with brothers and sisters in Christ? Open your Bible to Romans 8, 31 through 39. Um, I don't know about you, but I am still enjoying the book of Romans. Derek Thomas said that this was the greatest book ever written and that Romans 8 was the greatest chapter ever written in all of the Word of God. That's how he felt. That's how he believed that there was no greater snapshot of the picture of God's love and compassion and mercy for us. And today I want and am privileged to be able to remind you that God is for you. If you have your Bibles and you're in Romans 8, 31, let's read together. Now I'm going to read the whole text and then I'm going to come back through and we're just going to kind of hit it piece by piece together. 31. What shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? Really, we could hang out there for about the next three hours and then go home and be good. What shall we say to these things then? If God be for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also with him give us? us all give graciously give us all things now hear this who shall bring any charge against God's elect it is God who justifies who is to condemn Christ is the one who died more than that who was raised who is at the right hand of God who indeed is interceding for us who shall separate us from the love of Christ shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword as it is written for your sake we are killed all the day long but we are we are regarded as sheep led to the slaughter no in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us 
For I'm sure that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Somebody say amen. He's coming to a crescendo here, and he is about to transition to a different line of thought that we're going to get to deal with in Romans 9, 10, and 11 about the sovereignty of God and his sovereignty in saving us and in keeping us and what it means about those who fall away. But today, before we end this chapter, before we end 1 through 8, we get to think about and contemplate the reality and the beauty that God is for us. So to snap it up, he's really kind of snapshotting everything he's told you so far. God is for us and nothing can overcome us. I want you to hear this. If, he used the word if, if God is for us. Listen, then there is no one that can ultimately have victory over us. The enemy has been put to shame and we are under the powerful grip of God's grace. Do you hear me this morning? The enemy has been put to shame. There will be a day where he is chained in the pit forever, never again to vex a believer, never again to influence his demons and minions to do his bidding on this planet. There will be a day that he is cast down and every believer will stand in heaven and look down and laugh and say, is that really the one who persecuted me? That will be a glorious day, amen? That will be a good day. Who can be against us? He says, if God is for you. Do you believe God's for you this morning? You believe God is on your side? Not, not necessarily on your side, but he, through the grace of redemption, put you on his side? <laughs> and, and if that be true for you, and if it be true for me, and we believe that it is true for us, that God is for us, then who can stand against you? I want to talk about for just, brief, just briefly the two who's this morning. Who, number one, the enemy. Listen, Revelation 12, 10. And we know, we talked about it just a few weeks ago, that the enemy is not God. He is not omnipresent. He does not exercise some control that God cannot control, manage, maintain, obliterate at his will. God is sovereign and in control. But the enemy and a third of the angels that fell from heaven are vexing believers spouting lies of condemnation, false accusations, and sometimes even true accusations. So I want you to hear this. 12.10, Revelation 12.10. Then I heard a loud voice in heaven say, Now have come salvation and power and the kingdom of God and the author, authority of his Messiah. For the accuser of the brothers and sisters who accuses them before God day and night has been hurled down. I love that he used the word hurled. You know what I'm saying? I don't know about you, but when I think about the word hurled, I think about throwing a bell of hay from the top rafter, right? Come on, we're in the south. You guys know what hurling a bell of hay is, right? I mean, not like a whole bell. Maybe let's do pine straw, right? Maybe if you're Hercules, you could hurl a whole bell of hay. But I love that word. I love that idea that the accuser of the brethren, listen, the one that whispers in your ear today that, that the sin you committed six months ago or the sin you committed this morning or the sin that you were trapped in in your youth that you didn't feel like you could break away from, the identity that consumed you and who you were before Christ, the enemy that whispers, hey, you're not worthy. You'll never see God. He, he doesn't really love you. If he loved you, why would these things be happening to you? Why would bad things happen to you? If God really loved you, don't tell me that you haven't heard those whispers. 
Satan and his demons are crafty. They know what button to push. But listen, there will be a day that he is hurled down. And today, listen, today you are no longer under his dominion. You are in the grip of God's grace. So you have the power in Christ to look up, look up and say, God, you are for me. So no matter what lie, no matter what lie that I hear, no matter what, no matter what situation that I walk through, one thing that I can be sure of is that God is for me. But we don't live that way all the time. Situationally, we walk into something and we think, well, if God was for me, this wouldn't be happening, right? If God was for me, that wouldn't have happened. If God was for me, this wouldn't happen. No, 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 no. No, God is for you. But who else? The who. If God be for us, who can be against us? I, I don't know if you know this or not, but people sometimes, people love to throw daggers. People love to gossip. Love to criticize. They love to tear down. Some church folks just love to do it. Insecure church folks would rather sit around and talk about everybody else's deficiency rather than the sufficiency they have in Christ. So hear this. The psalmist can sympathize with you. 56.2 says, My enemies trampled me all day long, for many attack me proudly. Listen, I want you to hear this. They will whisper and conspire to categorize us as hypocrites and sinners, ready to pounce on the moment that we misstep or morally blunder. Do you hear me? Have you ever been in that conversation? I've been in that conversation. I've lost my temper, maybe, or which isn't a maybe, I definitely have, more often than not. God's grace and sanctification is working that out of me. But I don't know if you're like me, where you blunder, or, you, or you, you fall morally, or you just walk in sin, and you momentarily forget the gift of the cross, and you just act like a really, really good sinner. Like you're just good at sinning. And automatically the world, even other brothers and sisters in Christ, what do they love to do? Man, you're supposed to be a Christian, and you did blank, right? Anybody ever heard that? You're supposed to be a Christian, you did, you did blank? Listen. John Bunyan wrote The Pilgrim's Progress, and this is what his reply was to the enemy in his book. I, I want you to hear this because this is what I want you to know your position and my position is because you will be attacked spiritually and you will be attacked relationally. You will walk through times where the enemy or a, a, a demon or old trial from your past will just beat you up and beat you up and beat you up and lie to you, or you may be walking even presently through where people emotionally and relationally you're just kind of beating on you it may be even something who's supposed to be your brothers and sisters in Christ and if you're doing that if you're a part of this fellowship either stop and repent or go somewhere else do you hear me is that clear I want to be really really clear about that if you can't build your brothers and sisters up in Christ, if you can't repent for your deficiencies and love someone in spite of their deficiencies, either repent before God and love the people to your left and your right or go somewhere else. That's never comfortable. But it's true, and I love you. That's the only reason I say it. I promise I love you. Listen to what John Bunyan says. when He says, when the enemy whispers lies and when the en enemy would bring up your sin, 
or when people would bring up your sin, when they would bring up your deficiencies, listen to what he says. He says that his reply would be this, all this is true and much more which you have left out. But the prince whom I serve and honor is merciful and ready to forgive me. Besides, these sins possess me in your country. I have groaned over them. I have been sorry for them, but now have obtained pardon from my prince. You hear me? When the enemy speaks and he whispers, there's a verse that says, agree with your accuser in the way. Listen, when the enemy whispers lies, when the world whispers lies, there's one thing we can do. We can turn in on ourselves and walk back into that old identity and beat ourselves up over sin. Or we can look with our eyes into the glorious gospel and say, you know what? The accusations you make against me, they're true. And probably a lot worse than you've made it out to be. But I have a prince who has redeemed me, who has called me his. And the words of the enemy and the words of people around me no longer define me. Do you hear me, church? They no longer define you. You're not defined by what you did, what you're doing, or what you're going to do in the future. Those things don't define you this morning. You are defined by the one who's purchased you on Calvary's hill, and his name is Jesus Christ. His blood has been applied to your life. You are not defined by your sin. You are defined by the love of the Savior. Woo! That's good news this morning. Listen, I don't need your applause. I'm just overwhelmed at the idea that, listen, I'm still caught up in the fact that he wants me. You know what I'm saying? I've told you this before, and you may be like me, but if I was God, I'd be like, man, you're the last kid being picked on my team. You know? But it's an example of how gracious and loving and powerful God is. That he would incorporate men and women into his story that he knew could never live up to his standard. Do you hear me? He loved you so much, knowing that you could never live up to his standard. He sent Jesus... So that his standard could be applied to your life and my life. And we could enter into the kingdom of God as sons and daughters. That's good news this morning, church. Listen to this. He says, what can separate us? I'm sorry, excuse me. If God be for us, then who can be against me? 8.32. Listen. He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all. How will he not also with him graciously give us all things? I want you to hear this. I had to write this because I don't, I don't want you to miss it, and I don't want to miss it. He really is for us. If you question this morning, if he is for us, if you are walking through a season, or if you're not now, you may eventually walk through a season where you may look at circumstances, you may look at situations, and you may think, is God for me? I want to encourage you to do something in those moments, those moments of confusion, those moments of wondering, is God for me? I want you to just take your eyes and shift them to the cross. If there's ever a question of God's love for you, if there's ever a question of God being for you, all you have to do is look into the face of the cross. And there's a resounding, yes, I am for you, I love you, I died for your sin. Is God for me? Look at the cross. Does he love me? Look at the cross. Will he forgive this sin that I'm walking in? Look at the cross. Will he restore these relationships? Look at the cross. 
Our Christianity, our Christian life has to be Christ-centered and cross-focused. We have to have eyes that are filled with the cross. Because it's the constant reminder that he's for you and he loves you. And your sin no longer carries any weight in his presence because he has freed you from its chains. Mm. Once you hear this. I love that he used the word spare not his own son. It's actually, if you go back and look where Abraham was going to sacrifice Isaac. Abraham was not going to spare his son. He was going to sacrifice him, but God stopped him. You remember the story? It's really weird. We usually, we usually learn that in Sunday school when we're in like preschool and stuff. I'm like, that's a crazy story to learn as a three-year-old, but whatever, right? Abraham willingly took his son up the mountain and out of obedience to God, he drew back the knife and scripture says that he was stopped and said, no, I see, basically, let me snapshot it. I see your obedience. Don't slay your son. And coming up the other side of the mountain, caught in the thicket was a ram and God provided the sacrifice. I want you to hear this. When you think about your sin, when you think about if God's for you, if you think about has God made a way, listen, all the way from the day of Abraham, even until our day, even right now, God made the sacrifice then and he's still making the sacrifice through Jesus right now. You hear me? Does God love me? Am I approved in his sight? Do I have what it takes to live for him? Does he value me? Look at the cross. Look at the gift. Look at the sacrifice. Check this out. When the enemy comes and whispers doubt and fear, look to the cross. When people come and criticize, look to the cross. If ever you wonder, is God for me? Does he love me? Am I wanted? Look to the cross. At the cross is where we see the outward display of God's love for us, and it is ever unwavering. Look at the cross. You see, TJ, you said cross a lot. Cross, 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 cross. All of our hope, all of our hope of ever being approved before God, ever being loved in His sight, is, is wrapped up in the cross of Christ. Moo said this. Uh, at the end of the verse where he says, who, He who did not spare his own son but gave him up for us all, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things? I believe um, a theologian, Moose, said this. He said, all things includes our final glory and all that, provi- that God provides for us to bring us to his glory. So we believe that God did not spare his own son, but with him also will give us all things. Meaning that one day, like we said two weeks ago, we will have that future glory, but also everything that we're walking through now is that gift. Everything we're walking through has been graciously given by the Father's hand to bring us to himself. 33, let's move on. Romans 8, 33, who shall bring this charge against us? Simply put, we covered it earlier just a bit. The enemy will try and unravel the scroll of our sin as evidence against us, but to no avail because God has justified us. Listen, Isaiah 50, 8 through 9. He who vindicates me is near. Who, will, who, who then will bring charges against me? Let us face each other. Who is my accuser? Let him confront me. It is the sovereign Lord who helps me. Who is he that will condemn me? The sovereign Lord of the universe is on your side. Who can bring a charge against you? Let me ask you this morning, who are you afraid of? What's keeping you and holding you back from chasing and following Christ with everything that you have the way you truly desire to? 
based on the word, we can't look and say, well, the, the enemy's holding me down. Or people's opinion is holding me down. No, no, no. You've been freed from the accuser. Think about who's in your corner. Listen to the story. I was in, I was in the ninth grade in high school. And, uh, and I was at Lee County. I'll never forget this guy. He was about six. He's probably, Matt, how tall are you? Six, seven? He's six, seven. I'm related to Matt, and he's really tall. Uh, this guy was probably 6'5", six, 6'7". Six, he's about Matt's size. He was huge. Big guy. And uh, I, I'd done something. I don't know. I hit him in the back of the head with a pencil or something. I was ninth grade. I was stupid. I can't remember. And, uh, and I'll, I'll never forget. He was like, fourth period. You and me. And I'm like, in ninth grade, I'm like 140 pounds soaking wet. I'm like, all right. All right, but I mean, it's ninth grade, and there were females present, so I'm like, yeah, fourth period. Listen, that was like, that was like at the breakfast time, and so all day I'm sitting here thinking, I'm going to die. <laughs> like when fourth period gets here, TJ is no more. And I'll never forget this. I had a buddy of mine, Jay Bryant. He played football. He was all jacked, you know what I'm saying? He was like taking creatine as a sixth grader, you know? I mean, he's just like. I'll never forget this, man. Ninth grade. I was facing my impending doom. And he was like, hey, man, I got your back. I was like, what? Say, say that one more time. He's like, man, fourth period, I heard about it. I got your back. Fourth period, I bowed up. I walked down the hall, I was like, where's he at? Where's he at? He comes up all serious. I'm like, Jay walks up behind me. I'm like, Jay's here? And that was it. It had nothing to do with me. It was all about who was standing in my place. Do you believe God is for you today? It'll make you face your battles differently. Before you put in your mind and heart and realize that Christ Jesus is for you, that God is for you and not against you, you'll look at that fourth period and you'll say, that is my end. And whatever that fourth period looks like for you, whatever, whatever that situation, you'll face it and you'll say, this is the end of me. This is the end of, of me. And all of a sudden, if you would just remember, if you would think to the cross and be reminded that God is for you, you would say, oh, no, 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 I'm stepping out of the way. I'm letting him take over. Situation, deal with God. <laughs> so the prophet was saying, the sovereign Lord is for me. Listen, nowadays these kids have this term called swagger, right? You've heard it. They say it all different kind of ways. Swagalicious, swag, swagger, whatever. And I'm not too hip, so I don't get down like that. But, But from then on, for the rest of the year at school, I, I walk differently. I knew who had my back. Listen, if you don't know Jesus today, or if you're a believer and your confidence has been shaken in him, I want you to be able to point to today and say, from that day on, I walked differently. I had a different kind of confidence. 
I approach my battles differently. I approach my sufferings differently. I approach my opportunities differently because I knew that God was for me and that he was on my side, that he has already been there and gone before me, and he's to my left and to my right. And when I approach, it's all about God and it's not about me. You hear me this morning? Does that click? Listen. I love that he says in the end, it is God who justifies. Verse 33 where he said, it is God who justifies. John Calvin said, justification is the hinge on which the door of salvation swings. This is what I love about Christianity. No matter how the enemy rants against you, no matter how your past may accuse you, no matter how people around you may lay blame on your life, it is God who justifies. Do you hear me this morning? The enemy doesn't have the final say over your life. Your friends, your family, people around you don't have the final say. It is God who justifies. And listen, if God has declared you justified, you are found in him, never to be taken out of his hand. It's God who justifies you. It's God's word who matters this morning. It's God's word. It's his word on the situation. If you've repented of your sin, if you've confessed him before men, then his word is that you are free and not chained. His word is that you are son and daughter, not an orphan. His word is that you are forever found in him. So take him at his word this morning. Listen, let's go to 834. Who is to condemn? Christ Jesus is the one who died more than that, who was raised, who is at the right hand of God, who indeed is interceding for us. Listen. Paul, again, over and over reiterates that the condemnation from the enemy is just noise. Listen. Little creaks from an old house that is no longer occupied. It might look or sound like there is substance, but it's just noise. When the enemy begins to blabber about your past, it's just noise. When the enemy or even people begin to blabber about your present, it's just noise. Why? Because you're redeemed in Jesus and the enemy's days are numbered. This is what John Newton said. I may my fierce accuser face and tell him thou hast died. Listen, John Newton said, I may stand face to face with my accuser, but the difference between the enemy and me, the difference between the lies and me, is that the enemy will one day be chained and one day I will be forever freed in Jesus Christ to worship around the throne of God forever and ever and ever. 835, let's move a little faster. 835 through 37. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? As it is written, for your sake we are killed all the day long. We are considered as sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. Listen to this. You're a conqueror because you belong to a conqueror. We said it a few weeks ago. There's been a transfer in identity. You're a conqueror this morning, not because you've always made the right choices, not because you're sin-free, not because you're the perfect Christian. You're a conqueror this morning because you belong to a conqueror. I'm a Malden this morning because I belong to the Maldens. My dad's DNA is coursing through my body and my makeup. If you stretched it out, you would see pieces of my dad, pieces of my mom intermingled to make me. I'm always going to be a Malden. Listen, you're a conqueror based on nothing that you've done other than being found by the ultimate conqueror. You're forgiven this morning. Why? Because you're found in the forgiver. 
The one who gives and forgives and forgives. You're full of mercy this morning. Why? Because you've been led to the merciful one. You were forever found this morning because you were led to the good shepherd. We'll close up like this. Romans 8.38 For I... Listen. Paul writing this letter, I can't imagine coming to the end of his ministry, years of ministry, 20 plus years of ministry at this point. And as he's writing this, just as my mind, I, I, can, I can see maybe a breeze blowing and, and his, 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 you know, his cloak or whatever they wore back then, I don't know, this is just the way I see it in my mind, blows off his shoulders and he sees where a lash had come around this side and, and ripped his skin off and he's scarred all up. And at this moment, he's, he's Scripture uh, historians say that he struggled with, with leg problems or eye problems. I mean, he was shipwrecked. He was beaten multiple times. He was stoned. I mean, all these things happened to Paul. And, and at the end of his life, this is what he's writing. I can't think about what he was imagining. The time that he was bit by a serpent and just shook it off into the fire. Like he's writing to believers at the end of a life that can testify the truth of it. And this is what he says. I'm sure that neither death nor life nor angels or rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. At the end of my studying, when I was, when I was done and I was wrapping up the sermon, the, the only thing that I could think at the end of reading that verse was why? Why? I know me. I know me. So at the end of all that reading, I, my, the genuine thought of my heart was, God, why? Why would you want us? Why would you want to redeem us? And the resounding truth from Scripture just began to hit me in the face over and over because I'm just that good, TJ. Because I'm just that merciful TJ because I'm just that mighty TJ because I'm just that good every time I ask why God why would you save me why would you pick me why would you save us why would you call us into your care you know the sins you've committed I know the sins I've committed we could stand there and say God why his echo for eternity over your life and over my life will be because I'm that good not because you're good not because I'm good the word of God over your life today, when you may ask why, why all the forgiveness, why all the grace, why all the freedom, why all the confidence, because he's that good. Would you delight in that goodness with me today? Would you look at the cross with me this morning and think on the goodness of God? Would you together as a family this morning not think about who's on your left or who's on your right or, or what you have to face this week, but for just a moment, just for a second, allow the Lord just to kind of quiet the noise and think about just how good He is. We're going to have a time of response and, and Nick's going to come and we're going to sing a song. And my prayer for you during this time, if you want prayer, if you want to follow Christ Jesus with your life, if you've been sitting here and you want to surrender to the Lord, and you say, man, I, I need to be saved, I'm lost, and I, I hear the Lord calling my heart, I want to be found in Him, I'll be down here and I'd love to pray with you, I'd love to talk with you through that. Use this time maybe to pray and to ask God, God, let me see your goodness, let me feel your goodness, let me delight in your goodness.
Let me pray for you and we'll respond. Father, thank you. Thank you for being that good. God, there's no other explanation. God, there's no badge of honor that we can wear as your creation. We, we blew it. But you're just that good. To call men and women to yourself, to restore broken souls and make them trumpets of glory for your namesake and your renown. You're just that good. Father, we love you, we delight in you, and we, we just ask you this morning to let us see your goodness. Truly, Lord, let us echo scripture this morning. Let us taste and see that you're good. Amen.